Radical, episode 192. Welcome to Radical, ladies and gents. I'm your host, Shane Hazel. Thank you guys for being here. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Twitter Spaces. Thank you guys for all for tuning in. And uh, today, I've got a great guest. The Liberty landscape is changing so fast in this world, uh, and it is, it's is—it's—it's crazy to me um kind of how it's changing uh but today i've got a a a guest that has done so much in this liberty circle and i mean with profound action taken um he's been in this game for a long time with the guys from uh yow the young americans for liberty his name is uh reed cooley he is the liberated uh vp of comms over there reed it is a pleasure to have you here buddy thanks shane it's an honor Hey man, so um, I've got um, I've got so many questions for you. Um, this obviously this this big split for you from the uh, from from Yal is I think just a a sign of the times and what a threat people who are just I don't know your messaging and my messaging is is very similar. Um, I, I think you do it in a in a, in a better way for a group, whereas like I'm obviously more individually tailored. Uh, to kind of hit people in the chops, but I I love what you had done over at Yale and the fact uh, that you know you're here with me now to share the story. I think is um, probably a silver lining for something that's bigger that's coming your way. So anyway, um, why don't you tell everybody out there about yourself a little bit? Uh, sure. So uh, believe it or not, I can actually be kind of a boring guy. Um, so I got involved with Young Americans for Liberty whenever I was a sophomore in college. Uh, at Baylor University, I got involved with the chapter there, uh, just, uh, you know, fighting different things on campus, you know, that, that were coming up, um, you know, all, all sorts of different things there. Um, I actually didn't graduate with a, a degree in anything close to politics. Uh, I graduated with a double major in anthropology and history in 2017, went into a career in archaeology, uh, worked in uh, on an archaeological project in Italy, then two in Texas before I decided that I wanted to get back into the fight for liberty, that that was really what I cared about uh, the most, uh, more than anything else on earth. And uh, the money is just a little bit better in, in politics than in archaeology. Not that much better, but uh, better enough, you know, um, so that I was able to actually, you know, pay some bills and actually uh, have these things called savings and stuff like that. So uh, in 2018, uh, I started uh, getting involved with it, with campaigns sort of uh, within the YAL sphere. I worked on uh, seven of those campaigns uh, before late 2018, whenever I accepted a full-time position uh, with Young Americans for Liberty um, in in a communications capacity. Um, So from 2018 until this week, uh, I had worked uh, at Young Americans for Liberty, uh, slowly building the sort of communications and marketing apparatus that people uh, see today. Uh, So, you know, and, and by that, I mean, Everything that you see as far as the, the social media presence, uh, as well as TV, radio, podcasts, op-eds, press releases, targeted ads, all of the above. You know, those were systems that I that, that I that I built out, you know, for that company and uh, and built the uh, you know, the communications department uh, you know, that, that is seen there uh, today. That's not to say that, you know, y'all never did uh, TV hits or radio hits or anything like that, you know, before I came along. But. I introduced, you know, systems and procedures and, and things like that, that really kind of formalized, you know, the marketing process uh, for Young Americans for Liberty. Um, yeah, so uh, I guess we'll kind of go and jump into the nitty gritty of uh, the real reason why you want me uh, here on this, uh, here, here on this, uh, this podcast, Shane. And uh, I, I, let's be honest, I can't really introduce myself properly without, uh, without diving into it right now. So um, obviously having been, uh, you know, the, the lead PR and marketing professional, uh, at Yale, um, I was put into a little bit of a difficult position when when some new leadership uh, came in. Uh, I think it was technically it was about April of last year. So, um, as everybody knows, Yale was originally founded way back in 2008 as Students for Ron Paul, uh, but in January of 2021, so right at 13 months ago, uh, Yale had a change in leadership uh, due to some allegations of misconduct against a now former uh, CEO. Uh, a few months later, uh, the board of directors hired a lady named uh, Lauren Doherty to fill the, the vacant CEO position. Now, uh, Lauren Doherty, she's the former head of development uh, at the Libertarian Party. And from the day that she actually since before uh, she took office in you know the, the summer, in the spring of last year, um, it was abundantly clear that uh, 
that we were going to have problems on our hands at Young Americans for Liberty. As far as maintaining the integrity of the Ron Paul revolution and protecting it inside of students for Ron Paul. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it got pretty problematic pretty quickly. And it was not a secret that um, she, she had every intention of strong arming Yal's brand into something different. Right. Into something uh, at the very least, uh, she wanted to dilute and soften and maybe professionalize the brand uh, all in ways that weakened it and in ways that were extremely reminiscent of the sort of uh, squishy left libertarian, um, actually a pseudo libertarian woke direction of the LP under the leadership of, let's say, Nick Sarwark, for example. Uh, so um, I'll, I'll give a couple of quick examples and I'll, I'll kind of talk to some some things that happened uh, over the course of the last year here. So um, it was a couple of weeks before uh, Lauren uh, took, you know, took office as Yal's as CEO. There was an all staff meeting um, where we all just kind of got to have a sit down, a Q&A uh, with Lauren and any any Yal staffer who was present for this, uh, which is most of them now will, will recall this. Um, it was in that in that Q&A meeting where we were kind of asking Lauren, you know, how she felt on different issue areas that she admitted that she didn't necessarily believe in ending the Federal Reserve. Uh, if I remember correctly, she said that uh, she hadn't really like made her mind up on it yet. Uh, that's just a paraphrasing. And that was like that was my first red flag personally. Um, a person who doesn't believe in either ending the wars or ending the Fed, I don't understand how they can have any 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 valid basis for holding a leadership position in the liberty movement. Because if you don't understand the necessity of let's say um, abolishing you know, the, the chief financier of, of the war machine, right, of, of the welfare state, the warfare state, all of these things that we're trying to end one after another, you don't have a solid philosophical basis for really tackling the rest of the philosophy or the problems that we face as a result of the state. Um, but of course, the problems didn't end there. Uh, some of this has gone, uh, has gone viral over the last few days, if you haven't gone to the Twitter pages of uh, Tho Bishop, uh, T.J. Roberts, and Natalie Dan Ellison, uh, as well as Shane here, uh, I might recommend you go take a look at some of the stuff uh, that has this come to light there. Um, it was in late April uh, in, uh, 2021 um, where there was another problem uh, that, that it kind of uh, kind of surfaced here. Um, can, can so. I I pause you for just a second, um, Reed. I mean, you're you're killing it. I think there's so much information coming out right now. Um, right. When when we as quote unquote libertarians, you know, and and I know, um, you know, I don't like people to get hung up on uh, on banners too much in terms of you know, it's it's there is a certain liberty group out there and you know and probably more or less you know if we're going to put a moniker on them you know the ron paulers um uh in in this movement right the, the guys that were absolutely uh against the fed first and foremost uh this this absolutely terrible fiat enslaving currency that we have uh that you know not only enslaves the people who use it but the people who accept it and and deal with it in terms of a petrodollar around the world um, and then obviously, uh, being against the wars, you know, this is something that we've had trouble with in the libertarian party at the, at the highest levels, the LNC it's, it's what the Mises caucus inside the libertarian party has been fighting as, you know, kind of the remnant, the Ron Paulers, right. Uh, the, the idea that we aren't, you know, ex exclusive in terms of, um, you know, our circles, these Venn diagrams, right. Where we work with people, where we can work with them. Uh, between like the Mises T Institute, yourself uh, and people like you at Yale, you know, from, you know, until about, I guess, Monday, um, these groups are heavily overlapping and we find, you know, these kindred spirits that, you know, are really just pushing for liberty in any and every way that they possibly can. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not this, you know, let's tear each other down. It's like, hey, man, if I find an issue and you're on the same issue and we can go out and do these things together, that was the power of Yale. And I mean, you guys, you guys have probably done more to change things at the state level as an organization since, you know, since I've been around in the liberty movement than probably anybody. Uh, and, and I mean that. I mean, the amount of work and the effort that, you know, Yale did. Uh, in terms of recruiting people that would go out and crush doors and, you know, bring people the no kidding Liberty candidates. And then, 
you know, to, to also be that organization that when somebody who was elected uh, because of Yao would uh, get outside of the principles, the bedrock, you know, to, to kind of sacrifice the, um, you know, the principles that we with uphold because of being closer to power now. And you guys were absolutely, you know, the hardest on those people as well. It wasn't like, you know, it was an open ended deal. Like you had to, you had to go out there and you had to either, you know, put up or shut up. And I think when, you know, that started to get compromised, um, and when you started to see that this was going to be a harder road or that the, the principles were fading, you know, I, I mean, that's a that's a huge deal for, you know, a lot of us that have been contributors uh, that have, you know, really, uh, you know, I guess, cheered and urged this organization on as it's, you know, had success. Uh, and I mean, I, I just wanted to kind of pause it there because I there this is not a small thing, right? Like the amount of you know, state legislators, you guys have helped get into office that are liberty leaning, that have great issues and great principles. Um, I mean, what what is what is that number? Do you have any idea off the top of your head right now? Uh, I do. And, and you're talking about something that's incredibly important. So uh, whenever I left uh, Young Americans for Liberty earlier this week, they had they counted 174 uh, state legislators across the country as a part of their, their legislative coalition, right, which is the sort of infrastructure uh, that you're describing here, wherein they they help people get elected, then they they hold their feet to the fire once they get in there. Uh, this necessitates an incredibly important question, though, and that is with the massive infrastructure that Young Americans for Liberty has built to influence uh, state politics, to to change you know the culture via social media, via earned media, all these things with the massive campus apparatus. The Young Americans for Liberty has uh, across the country, where they're they're actually you know they're you know they're, they're engaging in legal fights against college campuses. Uh, what happens when that infrastructure falls into the wrong hands, right? Uh, and shouldn't we fight even harder whenever it looks damn well like that's exactly what's happened, right? Uh, well, okay, so Young Americans for Liberty they 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 interview uh, people who want to run for state legislature, right? And then they, they choose based on their principles, whether or not they're going to endorse that person to run. Right. And of course, there are some legal, um, you know, th- you know, s- specifics that have changed here lately because uh, Make Liberty Win Pack, which is, you know, the organization that Operation One of the Doors in is kind of it's its own separate thing with the separate office now. But the system is still the same. The pipeline, right, of identifying state legislators who are aligned enough with Yao's principles to deserve Yao's endorsement recruiting kids on college campuses and elsewhere to go knock doors for those, for those uh, candidates and then getting them elected and holding them accountable. Um, that's, that's huge. There's nothing else like that in the Liberty movement. And the reason that I'm speaking out, uh, the reason why I turned down uh, severance from young Americans for Liberty, a financial settlement that would have admittedly put me in a better spot than I am now is because it's been clear to me for some time that that system is in danger of being co-opted by who I believe are the wrong people, um, but by the the wrong ideology, by the wrong, a very, very flawed and seriously destructive strain of the greater liberty movement, if it even deserves to be called that. So um, that's why I'm speaking out, because the infrastructure there is impressive. I mean, it, you know, um, I'll tell you this. So uh, as I was vice president of communications uh, at Yale, Every month from March 2021 to January 2022, Young Americans for Liberty actually earned more followers each of those months than its larger, more well-funded competitors like Turning Point USA and PragerU. That's students for Ron Paul uh, beating the shit out of its competitors. Uh, and it did so as a result of, of the systems that, that, that some other great people and I put in place over a very long period of time. So I invested almost four years of my life into the infrastructure that you're describing, which is why I feel so compelled to do what whatever the hell I can uh, to defend it now. Yeah, and, and I'm, I mean, that's the thing is, um, you know, when we look at this, I mean, it's an army. Like it, it, we've we've said it a million times. It's it's the Yale Army, right? And you know what a what a fantastic group of you know young people that have taken, uh, you know take an action, you know, and that's, that's what this is all about. So we've got, we've got a, a, an infrastructure 
that is compromised and is at the the, the hest of people. Um, you know, Lauren, you know, obviously one of one of the pieces that came to me um, was the email that she sent about uh, Thomas Massey and his, uh, you know, Christmas card, right? Like for those of you guys who are in the audience and, and haven't seen this, it was an absolutely huge viral tweet, right? Like uh, he had uh, he, he had his entire family. They were all armed. And, uh, you know, he's sitting there with a, a pig, an M60. And, you know, like this was an incredible Christmas card. And did it poke the bear a little bit? Sure, it did. But this was something that, you know, per her, you know, checklist of three items or, you know, whatever um, those were, right, is like, all right, if, if this is even questionable, we're not doing this. Like, does this, does this further the Second Amendment or does it do it harm? And I was like, do it harm? Like, we've got 22,000 damn gun laws out there. and We've got a congressman who's got an M60 and a Christmas card. Like, this is the type of messaging that, I, I I don't know. Like I know everybody's got their ideas on messaging, but the idea that they there needs to be any type of compromise in this area, or that this isn't a a picture that should be I don't know normalized, right? Just like why in America is this going to I don't know rub people the wrong way? In other words, like when I saw that, I was just like. You got to be kidding me, man! Like, if it's the Second Amendment and the Fed, uh, and you know the, the the idea that we're going to not try to stand in the way of foreign wars, like all from the same person, holy shit, man! Yep. No, I, I believe me. I don't think that you'll find a person on planet Earth who agrees with that sentiment um, <laughs> more than I do, right? But uh, it was it was absurd, right? I see we we have twenty two thousand gun laws in this country, uh, just like you said, um, and. We're worried about a, a picture of a Christmas card offending people. At the yeah. very least, it, it was a very out of touch uh, bit of commentary on gun culture. Uh, you know, you know, from uh, from our from Yal's CEO, right? Um, and I'll just tell you, it, it aggravated. I, I was happy to see that that aggravated pretty much every staffer. Uh, you know, that, that who had uh, spoken with me about it or spoken about it around me. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely insane. That, you know, that that the CEO of Students for Ron Paul is afraid of an AR-15. Whenever Ron Paul used to campaign with AR-15s, he used to produce campaign videos holding AR-15s, right? And yeah. there's nothing more that the state and the left, whatever you want to call them, these tyrants, there's nothing more they love than to see people uh, who claim to love liberty but are apo constantly apologizing for being libertarians, right? Or who are too scared of, of liberty to, to really push it to, to a very strong degree. People who are too afraid of, of firearms, of, of just the mere notion of self-defense, not just self-defense from a, a burglar or whatever, but self-defense, the most important form of self-defense being against some tyrant in an office somewhere. People like that cannot make any meaningful, they can't take any meaningful action towards swinging the pendulum closer to liberty, right? Um, yeah, so it's... It was insane, you know, but unfortunately, that's, that's not even really where it ended. Okay, well, keep keep, keep going, man. I mean, you know, this is, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many people we've got in the spaces right now, but I mean, it's, 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 it's full. And this is, this is a story that needs to get out. Uh, and I think by the end of it, I think we need to be pushing in a direction to say, hey, man, this is the way uh, that we're going to take uh, a lot of this YAL army, because I think, you know, uh, if there's a, a new leader of the Yale Army right now, I'm looking at him, uh, and I and I want to know, uh, you know, where we're going if we can't can and not give things away, and maybe even suggest some things. So go ahead. Sure. Well, um, I, I got you know, these two other things that uh, you know I've, I've got to you know tip my hat to. Uh, so Tho Bishop, uh, an absolutely amazing guy. You know, got to got to absolutely you know give a tip of the hat to Tho. Uh, he posted. Um, he posted you know, some screenshots of, of some messages from Lauren, and I'm not joking, defending Liz Cheney, right? Uh, or at the very least, saying young Americans for liberty might not need to consider attacking Liz fucking Cheney, okay? Yeah. Or young Americans for liberty, students for Ron Paul, as it was originally called, was founded in opposition 
to the Bushes and the Cheneys, Shane. And yeah. it, it was it was absolutely insane to me uh, to see just it, it was otherworldly. It, it was just surreal to see this notion that, that that Liz Cheney needs to be off limits because Liz Cheney is against Trump. And maybe y'all needs to consider being more anti-Trump than, than anti-Cheney. It was just absurd. Fast forward, like uh, it was a month from that, right at about a month from that, there was the uh, the Kamala Harris thing that, that, that I know some people have already seen on Twitter, right? It was, uh, it was I think, Tho Bishop shared this one as well. Uh, so my, my communications team posted a picture of Kamala Harris laughing into a microphone. And we put a silly caption at the top of it that said, find someone who laughs at your jokes the way Kamala Harris laughs at a question she doesn't know the answer to. Well, evidently, this set Lauren off enough so that she she pinged me directly and said, and I quote, it looks really bad if we are calling the first non-white and female VP stupid, which is how many people will see this. Just- I, I recoiled at that. As somebody who's in this liberty space, the idea that we that anybody thinks that this m- might be perceived as a, I don't know, a, 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 a sexist attack or a... Uh, a melanin attack on somebody's skin tone like it's like man we are so past that i mean i don't know you're you're younger than i am man i'm an 80s kid that grew up down here in the deep south you know during the 80s and 90s right and it's like dude this that shit's gone like you know and i'm not saying it's gone forever and then there's nobody that does but there's such a small minority of people that uh would you know try to take somebody down because of you know their their sex or their you know their their skin tone or even you know religion whatever is like we don't care about these things we care about ideas and this lady is a fraud not only is she a fraud but she is you know a former ex- executive right that has thrown people in jail and made criminals out of peaceful people like i don't give a shit you know, if she's green and has, you know, genitalia from Mars, it's completely different from Mars. Like, I don't I don't give a shit about any of these kind of things. Right. It's just like the idea that that's what, you know, was reprehensible or even alarming. You know, hey, man, you know, perception. Right. Fuck. If that's your perception, I think you might have some problems. Yeah, well. It's everything you just said is 100 percent accurate. And we also have to think about this. If the state figures out that critics of the state are too afraid to criticize the state whenever the state spokespeople are a certain color or a certain sex, guess what they're going to do? They're going to take advantage of that. They're going to go out of their way to put more people in power who are above and beyond reproach. It's absolutely insane. And let's, let's, let's also just ask this question. Who in their right mind in the year 2022 actually believes that attacking other people on basis of their their sex or their race is going to be an effective political strategy to converting millions of people towards your cause i mean uh so it was just yeah it's and that's the thing is like this i think people are so tired of the you know the the segregation techniques that are used by people from left-leaning socialist communist fascist type of organizations that are trying to silence other people like this that's the problem is like the people who have tried to silence people in history have never ever been the good guys ever and if, if you're trying to push somebody back off of message right no man let them talk let them talk let them be expressive if they make mistakes great um and you know if they if they're apologetic about it in the future also that's that's kind of you know where we get to in in these arguments as people evolve as people have you know conversations and especially long form is just like you know this is the type of you know messaging and encouragement that we need to have is just this forthright discussion to know who's who in the zoo man is at the end of the day if we're suppressing these people like i mean i don't know if you saw uh, kind of the blow up here in in Libertyville right where Thaddeus Russell was talking to this you know professor about pedophilia I don't want that suppressed. I want that. I want people to know exactly who these guys are. I want people right. to know who people are, um, and 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 not be suppressed. And the idea that you know you've got the head of Yale sitting there talking about race and creed and color and oh man, just and a political, you know, the the, yeah. the the very uh tribalism politics is is silly to me. Well, part of what I tried to do. Um, you know, it, in my capacity at Young Americans for Liberty was to make sure that Yao 
didn't get bogged down into bullshit issues, right? So like a lot of people like to take Young Americans for Liberty, obviously, and just contrast it from its competitors, which is understandable, right? What, how is Yale different from TPUSA or Prager University or YAF or uh, FreedomWorks or whatever else it may be, SFL, you name it, right? And one thing that resonated with me as long as I had been with Yale is that it seemed like Yale focused on more important issues, mm-hmm. uh, like the Federal Reserve, for example, like war, like criminal justice reform, right? Um, a lot of people were, were kind of pushing me along the way to say, well, Yale needs to do more about the culture war. We need to we need to do more of this campus clash kind of stuff Charlie Kirk's doing, right? But we need to do it for liberty, you know? And I thought, no, like you people don't understand what makes Yale strong is the fact that it doesn't wade into bullshit issues. It doesn't wade into race obsession, right? It doesn't wade into things like abortion, right? It, it, they're just absolute, sure, like abortion, it's an, it's, a, it's an important issue in and of itself, but how does it really stack up to bombing people in other countries, to, to orchestrating the equivalent of a Holocaust in a country of, let's say, Yemen? How does it really stack up, right? So what I tried to do with, with branding, what my team tried to do as far as you know, the, the content that we were creating every day, uh, the, the media pitches that we were producing via you know press releases and stuff like that, the op-eds that our spokespeople were crafting, is we tried to keep Yale actually focused on important issues instead of just weighing in on, uh, instead of just throwing stones at every single dog that barked, you know, um, and that that's another really dangerous dimension about all of this is that. Uh, you know, for the last for my last year at Young Americans for Liberty, I had to spend a great deal of my time trying to fight these repeated attempts to carry the organization into a direction that would have simply it would have just it would have diluted everything. It would have watered it down. It would have made Yell more similar to, uh, to 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 any other cookie cutter you know conservative ink you know, student organization, right? right? And Young Americans for Liberty's strength, um, whenever it did have it was that it was different, right? It, it, it stayed true to the Ron Paul revolution and it didn't, it didn't accommodate every single sensitivity and every single fashionable trend uh, along the way. Yeah, and, and I want to take this second here too to you know help people understand you know if you're if if you were on that side you know we the the whole cultural um, you know like the the hot buttons, the third rails, the sensationalism, right? Like just changing, trying to just change culture alone is not something that, uh, you know, has been, you know, well done in these spaces to begin with. And what, you know, Yao focusing on, especially from the Federal Reserve point of view, if you want to change a culture, right? You know, if, if we're talking about really, really changing culture, it's the way we interact with each other. And the Federal Reserve is at the absolute tip top of, you know, why, you know, culture in, you know, America and around the world has been degraded. And when you look at a, a fiat type of currency enslavement system that mm-hmm. is, you know, built on debt uh, and, and therefore enslavement, obviously, what you get is a, you know, a high time preference, a, a you know, a instant gratification culture right now. We got to spend today because what we earn today will be worth less tomorrow. It, it encourages, uh, you know, like really risky behavior financially, which encourages really risky behavior uh, outside of finances. And because of those things, because, you know, let's, let's say you take some risk. Um, that you maybe shouldn't have taken that you weren't well researched on or well versed in and you lose a shit ton of money or you lose just money you can't afford to lose you know now you're desperate and now you turn you know your culture into a, a an even more desperate culture so to fight things like the federal reserve from a monetary policy standpoint to you know go hey you know we should destroy the federal reserve uh at minimum and look at, you know, things like Bitcoin and things like that for replacing it, where we're talking about Austrian economics. This is one of those areas that changes culture from the bottom up because of the interpersonal, not only, you know, transactions that we have based on consent versus force and coercion, but just a place of savings versus a place of 
spending all the time and spending and being in debt all the time. So I think it's, you know, I think it's wildly appropriate to, to talk about, you know, those things. It's not that, you know, we're not focusing on the culture war. You guys weren't full, uh, focusing on the culture war. You were focusing on the exact problem of culture instead of the, you know, the, the, the sensationalized pieces of it that you can't really change by just going out and saying, Hey, you know, we should be better as a culture because no, no, let's get to the root of it and fix it there. No, amen, brother. Uh, so it's if you don't have a valid understanding, a, a reasonably in-depth understanding as to the Federal Reserve, as to how Austrian economics is the only consistent approach to understanding economics in a libertarian way, then liberty is really nothing more than, than a print than a pretty sounding word to you, right? It, right. It's, it's 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 something that you kind of cherish a little bit, maybe like like your diet or something like that, right? It's, it's not something. You know that uh, that you can take seriously, but uh, there, there's a there's a scenario that I wanted to entertain here, right? We've done a pretty good job throughout this episode of describing all of the sort of disparities between the way that Yao's new leadership feels and what Yao's mission is supposed to be. But let's entertain this best case scenario, uh, if we will. It's, it's a bit of a naive best case scenario, but. Uh, I believe it was Aristotle who said that the mark of an educated man is the ability to entertain an idea without accepting it. So let's go ahead and do that. Let's pretend that uh, that the new leadership uh, under Lauren Doherty is just trying to professionalize Yal's brand. Maybe they're just trying to make it more credible. Um, okay, are is the war machine interested in trying to professionalize uh, the way that that it markets, uh, you know, war? Is the left interested in trying to professionalize its repeated attempts to absolutely destroy everything about this country, everything about this republic that we hold dear, everything about the ideas of, of liberty that, uh, that we fight for every single day? The left, the state, they're not interested in trying to professionalize their attempts to destroy our very way of life. They are not interested in trying to see the best in whatever they have to offer and in whatever we have to offer. They don't right. want to see the best in us. They're out to completely destroy everything that we, that we cherish and love and the state, the left, whatever you want to call them. Right. Uh, because to me, the left and the state are largely synonymous with each other. It's you, you know, even the most reclusive and withdrawn person in society can't go a single day without being bombarded by something that the state does, by the impact that the state has on their life or that the or the influence that the left has on their life. Right. So I consider those two things to be largely synonymous, whatever you want to call them. But they would love nothing more than to see large, powerful organizations like Young Americans for Liberty being compromised and absolutely cowering in fear, too afraid to take a stance on anything meaningful too afraid to actually take a position um, uh, on anything that, that means anything to anybody, too afraid to actually make too much of a change, lest they incur the wrath of the state. Amen, man. I, I, that's, I, I get to that point is, you know, we, we, we all want peace, right? Like, and that's the thing is we, you know, that's, we don't want, you know, our, our men and women overseas at war. We definitely don't want it here. Um, you know, as a, as a Marine combat vet, man, like this is, this is my underlining principle is like, I can hang out with people who want peace. You know, um, if, if we can now get everybody consistent on, on that, you know, side where, you know, we're not using the state to force and coerce people even here locally, even better. Um, when, when you're talking about, you know, the, the authoritarian versus the libertarian leaning, to, you know, from complete totalitarianism to anarchy, right? Like we've got to be scraping the side of anarchy, uh, and staying away from, you know, right, left, whatever the monikers are, Republican, GOP, Democrat. Like, I think they're all kind of over on the authoritarian side at the higher echelons, right? Like there are some good people. Uh, in, in, in the base of everybody, I think that really just want to be left alone. They're just inconsistent with how that's applied. Um, going going forward, how um, how do you see your position in this liberty movement uh, now changing? You got some ideas of where you want to go and what you want to do? Um, well, as it just so happens, I think that I might have an idea or two. Uh, there is some uh, 
some uncertainty about where things might uh, where things might land for for me next, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I will say that I spent the last year of of my life of my career trying to correct young Americans for liberty from within, right? right. And there was no institutional recourse at any angle for me. Mm-hmm. Um, what I want to do is understand exactly everything that went wrong with Young Americans for Liberty to allow it to go down this path. Um, and I want to take that elsewhere into the world. The Ron Paul revolution is too important to this world, too important to this country in order to be left to die because of the incompetency, the horrible decisions that were made by the leadership of one organization, right? That yeah. flame, that torch has to be carried somewhere else. Exactly what that looks like, Shane, uh, I'm not completely uh, certain yet, but I, I I told Pete Quinones this a few nights ago. I really believe that, that it is a matter of life and death. It's not hyperbolic. It's not exaggerating it. This is why this is why I take, you know, I'm doing things right now that most people who had been terminated from a job wouldn't be doing. Putting a former employer, um, you know, you, you know, bad things happening within you know that former employer's ranks. Um on, on a podcast, right? Most people wouldn't do that if it were just any job. But yeah. this is not just a job. This is a fight for liberty. We are looking at life or death, liberty or slavery. There is no gray area. There are no Pyrrhic victories. We either win or we lose. And if we lose, the consequences cannot possibly be more severe. Whenever it comes to a cause worth fighting for, there really is no other cause worth fighting for uh, in this world, w- what else are you going to fight for besides well, the right to be free and let other people pursue their lives as they wish so they can pursue happiness as they best see fit? There's no other fight. And, and to that end, you know, it reminds me of the, uh, you know, the, the, the sheepdog story, right? Is, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, there's wolves and sheep and, and sheepdog. And, and really, uh, when you look at it, you know, these these people that want to go out and viciously fight for liberty, right? And I mean, in in the realm of ideas, you know, this is something that scares a lot of people who I think are sheep. And I'm not saying, you know, that, you know, there's not a continuum here, but, you know, when when we see these people that are really going out and and crushing people with the messaging and being, uh, I don't think it's even hyperbolic, you know, I think it's just, you know, this is the this is the line in the sand now. Like we are seeing people draw lines in sand, and we're seeing people that are afraid of those people who are drawing the lines in the sand. And you know, I don't know if I've got recommendations for them, but please, you know, let the people who are going to draw the lines in the sand draw the lines in the sand and talk. Don't be afraid of those people. If the people on the other side that want to push that line further back and further back and erode your life, liberty and property, you know, time and time and time again, like if you're going to, if you're going to pull us back, what you're doing is just, you know, you're, you're making that cage smaller and smaller and smaller around us. And so please, if you're that person that's scared of people drawing lines and sand, like just shut, shut up, you know, let, let us, let us do what we do. Don't, you know, because you know, we're safer, you know, that you can have these discussions with us. You know what they're not going to have on the other side is discussions. They're going to silence you. They're going to absolutely silence you at some point. And if you push those people who, you know, in this, you know, analogy or sheepdogs to, you know, to the back or silence them, then what you've got is an absolute oppression of, you know, of the wolf. So um, with that, with all that being said, I'm going to, I want to start having people who are on the Twitter spaces. Uh, if you want to ask questions, go ahead and get in the queue and I'll try to, you know, monitor this as I'm also uh, running this, but I'm going to, I'm going to pitch an idea to you um, and see, you know, it, you don't have, there's no, you know, you don't have to answer it. You don't have, you can take it, you can run with it, you can digest it. But earlier this year um, I came up with the, the Helios initiative. Um, the Helios initiative is kind of um, like, uh, what you guys were doing for Yao, where you guys would you know go and, and put people into the state house. I am a firm believer right now that through Article Six and Article Five 
uh, through decentralization, nullification, and localization, we can actually have huge effects in our county and cities through sheriffs and mayors where they just say, we're not doing this anymore. This is wildly outside of the purview of the Constitution of the United States, you know, which was not perfect and I believe has failed. However, they swore an oath to uphold it, right? And so if they are going to turn back the state and turn back the feds, the idea that they can do so on guns, on medical mandates, on on you know medical tyranny, uh, on spying apparatuses, on you know, whatever it is in terms of it violates our lives, our liberty, our property, and start adopting you know new measures that are going to free people. Um, that is what the Helios Initiative was. It was you know go down, talk to your sheriffs, talk to your mayors, and say, hey, at the end of the day, man, this is a this is a two way street. We all live in the same area. You know, we 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 occupy the same space. You're our neighbors. You're our family. You're our friends. We do business with you on a daily basis, and we need to heal the divide. Right? Is we need to stop criminalizing peaceful people, and we need to get make sure that you guys are safer at the end of the day, so that when you have interactions with people who have become desperate, who have you know lost their jobs, who have had their industries destroyed because of these artificial unconstitutional mandates, like hey, you guys are the guys that can stop that from happening. You guys can stop the bureaucrats from the state and from the federal, uh, you know, from the federal level coming in here. This is something that is super easy. It's, you know, it's already written up and it's in proclamation. And I am, you know, I would love to hand it off to someone like you uh, that might want to put an army behind it and say, hey, listen, uh, we can start affecting these things right now through, you know, city councils, uh, through mayors and through sheriffs uh, and the nullification and decentralization uh, effort to localize, uh, you know, freedom uh, at local levels. But I'm just putting it out there, like I said. I don't need uh, I don't need an answer now, but if you want it, it's yours. Well, I have to admit, Shane, that took me by surprise, brother. I, I didn't expect uh, a pitch like that, uh, you know, towards uh, towards the end of, uh, of this episode. But I'll tell you right now, I've been following that for some time. I talked to, to a good mutual friend of ours about it. Uh, I want to say he and I had a discussion about it at his place back in November. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, a follow up phone call might absolutely be necessary because it's exactly the kind of thing that I, I could imagine myself putting some good sons and daughters of Liberty uh, into. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think it needs a, a little bit of that either way, whether, you know, no matter who might be running that organization. Um, I think I've got um, a, a, a couple of people coming in here now to uh, ask questions. Uh, read you up for a couple questions. Absolutely. Hey, if you're uh, if you're up here, uh, Jason or Shane, uh, good to see you here, brother. Um, please uh, go ahead and unmute, and uh, let's see if we can make technology work uh, between all these different platforms. Go ahead, guys, if you've, uh, you've got a question. Shane, yeah. go ahead. I, I'm just I'll go first. Uh, I don't know that I was first, but I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm hearing. You know, Shane talking to Shane <laughs> when I just heard what you said. You know, it also made me think of obviously local first but you know it would be amazing if we had like-minded states that would basically like i guess coalesce or or have a coalition where you know as as we still want to travel right and go from one state to the next where we know we still have the same kind of uh rights where the rights have been taken away at a federal level that would be really cool Shane, yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, Reed, you could hear that, huh? Yep, I could hear it. Uh, Not bad for a knuckle dragger. Um, I 100% agree. I need coalitions. Come again. Hey, Shane, you got me? I got you. Go ahead. I was just saying that, uh, yeah, um, I think we are going to need coalitions of like-minded states really coming together. I, I don't believe that that the change that we seek uh, really begins um, within some monolithic federal government, some, some massive super state, uh, you know, where the overwhelming majority of the people who, comp who comprise the American government, they don't represent you. They weren't elected by you. They weren't even elected by your neighbors. They were elected by people from, from different parts of your state, different states, maybe completely different regions in this country, right? They have completely different life experiences, completely different lifestyles. So I think that ultimately the answer is radical decentralization. Uh, I've subscribed to that, uh, that theory for quite some time now. And I think that what we're looking at is the onset of that. And that begins 
at the state and local level? Great question, Shane, and great statement out there. Uh, Jason, if you want to come up and unmute or anybody else, uh, go ahead and uh, come on up and ask your questions. But yeah, that's uh, it's been a thought in my head for a long time, as you know, as, as we see the American empire collapse, and it is collapsing, it's a, it's a financial collapse first and foremost, because Keynesian economics doesn't work. Uh, hence, the, the reason we've spent so much time on the, the, the wicked Federal Reserve. Um, but to see how this is going to unwind, and the fact that it already is unwinding, um, you know, people are you know, were very afraid and have been completely afraid of, you know, whoever was coming to power. I don't care if it was left or right. And, and you know, all all had some legitimate reasons, you know, one way or another for those things, whether it was foreign wars or whether it was debt and, and spending in terms of social uh, programs here in the United States that were built on Ponzi schemes. Like we, we, we all understand, like it's, it's crumbling for a reason. The the, the silver lining in a lot of this has been seeing where this decentralization happens in spite of the feds, right? And, you know, um, some, some great, uh, you know, examples of this, you know, Colorado, California, uh, some of the West Coast were some of the, the first places in terms of cannabis uh, prohibition reform, right? And then we saw uh, other places like New Hampshire, which has done a spectacular job and hats off to the guys up the free, uh, you know, the free state project, right? Like, you know, they have really done amazing things in terms of like spying, uh, spying apparatuses that are, you know, used at the state and local levels. Uh, and then you have everything, um, you know, in between. Um, therefore, you know, like free speech uh, and, 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 and curtailing the, you know, the, the legislators and the college campuses and everything like that for, uh, you know, drowning out people's opinions or trying to, you know, relegate them into a smaller area or, or whatever it has been. So, uh, Shane, you got another question, man. Go ahead if, uh, if you're ready. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I have. This is this is really kind of a question. So it occurred to me yesterday. So I'm from Texas. Um, you know, I've supported Ted Cruz in the past, and I know that he's been, you know, vocal about term limits. And so I actually tagged him in a tweet yesterday and challenged him to, you know, not run for reelection and, you know, try to find someone that that he likes, assist them in their campaign. And then that whoever that person is, if they get elected, can continue to champion, um, you know, term limits. And and they, these that are most for it should terminate themselves right after a certain period of time. Yeah, um, I, I would say that I agree. Um, practice what you preach. My personal take on this one, Jane, as far as term limits goes, is I'm not certain how much of a difference it really makes. I'm open to hearing more about it, but... Um, Term limits is a little bit of a tricky one because it's something that could be a good gesture. I'm not completely certain that it strikes at the core uh, of, of the problems that we're facing from the state or the American super state, right? Which is uh, obviously it begins with uh, the welfare state, the warfare state, both emanating from the Federal Reserve. So uh, that's, you know, it's my take on term limits. Um, I don't know that they make a massive difference either way uh, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got uh, take the ride. I hope you're uh, you're here and you're unencrypted, man. Uh, good to have you up here. Go ahead if you're uh, ready to go, brother. Testing hey, one two. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Hey guys, I'm over here. I'm over here in Harbor Freight. Uh, <laughs> casually listening, uh, Reed and Shane. I want to thank y'all for y'all's work in the past. I've met a. I think I met a couple of y'all. Uh, I think I met both y'all and a, and a couple other folks in in this room before. Um, but. Uh, it was really sad to hear this news. I can't say I, I didn't see some of this coming, but I didn't think it would blow up quite like this. But I think there's a positive side here, and you guys were talking about it a minute ago, um, how this could break up into something better than it was before, like a coalition between the states. we got people like Doe Bishop talking about currency in Florida. He's somewhat, you know, I don't want to use the word infiltrated, but he's infiltrated the GOP in a very local area in Florida. And he's got a very proud and loud voice down there. We've got people like Andrew Sorrell in Alabama. We've got some folks in Georgia. We've got other organizations like the Young Conservatives of Texas over in Texas as well. How do y'all see that maybe meshing in the future into something greater than um, maybe just, I don't want to downplay what YAL has been doing. Of course, it's been great work, but maybe it's transforming into something different in the future. Um, and, 
and growing into something greater, like a coalition between the states and what seems like it might be a pattern in the southern states as well. Like there might be a greater movement in the southern states, and, and it might be easier uh, than doing it in the northern states. Um, I hope that's not too cryptic there, but I'll, uh, I just wanted to ask that question briefly. Thank you all for what you all are doing, and I'll hop off and, and take that answer. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Reed, if you want to go ahead and get that one, man. Yeah, sure. So um, I'll be the first to say that uh, I don't think that what we are looking at today uh, with, with the United States government is tenable. Um, I don't think that there's any scenario in which what we're looking at with this, this it's not a republic anymore. It's been an empire for quite some time where it sticks together. Pragmatically, it's just even if we just want to engage in prediction in, in predicting, right, it's virtually impossible for me to see how this massive super state, like I've called it a few times now, how it really sticks together. So I see two scenarios playing out as far as you know the future of this country at large. Number one, we return to some sort of a greater uh, re-emphasis on the Tenth Amendment, right? So that the states are allowed to be themselves. I don't see that happening. Uh, I don't. Uh, I, I simply don't. Uh, most people, even most libertarians, will tell you they don't really know what the Tenth Amendment is. If you corner them. Uh, if, if you if you really find them like, you know, man on the street style and you ask him, what's the 10th Amendment? Right. There's no telling what they might tell you. Right. That goes for most people in our camp, unfortunately. So uh, on a cultural level, that's virtually impossible, which is why I see scenario two of these two possibilities being the more likely to play out, which is that uh, we do see uh, the beginning of a what well, we see a soft secession, kind of like what Tho Bishop and others have been describing here lately. Uh, which precipitates into a a larger scale uh, secession, and uh, I don't I don't think of that as a negative thing at all. If uh, if the West Coast and the Southern states and the Midwestern states and the Northeast are all allowed to to represent their values better, if they're allowed to to create governments or hopefully no government at all uh, that best represents their interest, um, I don't see that as a bad thing. I see that as a very sort of natural and Jeffersonian. Uh, progression of things. And I would absolutely love to speculate what kinds of organizations, what kinds of institutions uh, that we could see uh, arise from that. Um, it, it's a very it's a very uh, enticing thought, right? It's, it's very exciting to think about that. But the truth of the matter, uh, I guess I'm just going to display a little bit of humility here. I don't quite know uh, what kinds of uh, institutions, what kinds of cultural movements we might see spawn from that. And, and I'm, I'm really not even completely certain the way in which uh, America engages in some sort of radical decentralization uh, or uh, or mass secession across the board. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll echo a lot of what you're saying here, and and I'll add to that is, you know, the the soft uh, secession is the way you know, that we keep peace. And I, I think that's the most important for everybody is like, listen, you know, just because we're, you know, not going to be the, the, the United States of America, it's not a, it's not a, a bad thing. I know there are a lot of people that are attached to the idea, but I think the idea was a fairy tale. And I think the idea was implanted as an indoctrinated uh, into us from the age of five uh, until we left, you know, the government indoctrination camps, some people call schools. Right. And so right. I, I think we're we've definitely we just there, there's a there's a mental shift and there's some recognition and there's a ton of education that needs to go on. But, you know, the idea that you're going to be freer in the places where you live and work and study and do business, that's not a scary thing to me. And, and you know, the the idea that, you know, it's going to return to the Wild West. Well, a lot of people don't realize that Hollywood has kind of, you know, uh, made monsters out of the Wild West where the Wild West was not uh, as violent, not nearly as violent as the uh, the governments that replaced it, uh, and, you know, and that's the thing is, you know, this, these organizations that are full of murderers and thieves, literally, um, that are funded through force and coercion to the tune of trillions of dollars now with their propagandists and everything else. That's scary. Uh, the idea that you're not bombarded with all that regulation, laws, bureaucracy and everything else, I think is probably, you know, it's not going to be perfect. But it'll be far cry better than what we've got now. Um, we've only got you know a, a few minutes left here, uh, and I want to be very respectful of your time, Reed, because I know you got uh, you know things to uh, to not only get to but to ponder and make happen because that's the kind of guy you are. Uh, take the ride, and Jess. I mean, uh, if you guys are still there and want to come up and ask a quick question, 
um, you know, floor is yours. Just come off mute and, and, and go for it out there on Twitter spaces. Can you hear me, brother? I got you, man. Okay. Uh, I, 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 not necessarily a question, but a reiteration of these, um, these bills and, and proposals from cl- clearly not local people uh, finding themselves being proposed almost every new legislation period. I think in, at the start of 2021, we saw over 100 um, Texas propo- proposals in Texas for anti-gun uh, laws, anti-gun legislation. Um, and it, it's, it's a constant thing. So, and, it, and it actually goes back to your previous point of people talking about not getting involved in politics and not being active and being local. They're attacking us at local, at national levels, it's, and it's consistent. So if you're going to get involved, you have to, if you're, if you're not going to get involved, you have to understand that what they're doing is a consistent uh, method of attack on all of our freedoms at all levels. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's one of the points of the, the Helios initiative is, is really taking a look at the, you know, the check and balance system, right? Is, you know, for a long time, we've seen the executives just kind of be like, well, it's legal, judges are upholding it, and the Congress is passing it. So we have to do it. And that's not, you know, really the, you know, the structure of what, you know, what we were even indoctrinated with, right? It was always like, hey, man, the executive, uh, they are the, you know, the, the last line, they are the, you know, the, the interaction point between the government and, uh, the people. And at, at the end of the day, you know, just following orders isn't going to cut it anymore. You know, just following the law isn't going to cut it. You know, there's a time for retroflection. Uh, and now, you know, for these guys, I think in law enforcement to decide, hey, you know, are we going to go along with the state or are we going to, you know, be part of our community and, and do what's right here? Jess, go ahead if you've got a question. Yeah. So I appreciate everything. Hi, my name is Jess. I'm a libertarian from the Hudson Valley in New York. So I'm in a living hell here. But um, I just wanted to say I appreciate everything that the speaker Reed said in the beginning about building up uh, this movement and admitting that it's sort of been taken over. Um, So what do we do moving forward? How do I, how do I know I can trust um, young Americans for Liberty and that I'm not just contributing to this wolfertarian Nick Starwark type um, undercurrent that I find really toxic towards any type of liberty movement. Um, and just secondly, um, I don't think it's fair to lump Thaddeus Russell, a man who's built a university that actively combats wokeism, if you will, um, with the name of someone he interviewed and lumping them both in as promoting sex for children. I don't think that helps the liberty movement either. Go ahead, Reed, if, uh, if you want to answer the first part, and I'll take on the second part. Uh, sure. So as far as how we move forward here, um, I'll say the liberty movement is an eternal— I'm, I'm sorry? I'm not donating to that, you know? Okay. Basically, uh, I kind of call what she said. Yeah, her question was, is like, how does she know she's not donating to the, the kind of the Wilkertarians over there uh, that are kind of taking over at Yale? And I imagine you have a pretty clean-cut answer for this. Uh, sort of, um, I can't tell you what to do with your money. Um, I'll just tell you based on my experience, uh, the other Ron Paulers and I inside of that organization, we felt, uh, ostracized. We felt alienated. Uh, and I spent the last year of my life fighting for the Ron Paul revolution and feeling like some sort of outsider. Um, I don't mean to sound cheesy, uh, but the fight for liberty is an eternal fight. I don't believe that it's, it's going to remain permanently, you know, frozen in amber in one organization, uh, in one institution. Uh, I believe that there are going to have to be other organizations uh, that, uh, that sort of rise from the ashes, so to speak here. Um, but I think that it will be on those organizations to regain the trust that has been lost, such as in the case with you. Uh, as to why people who who cherish liberty uh, should trust them. Yeah, and I'll, I'll take on the second part because uh, that was that was my comment, Jess. I actually did an entire show on it a couple shows ago, and trust me, that's the last place I wanted to be too with Thaddeus. Uh, you know, uh, minus what that interview uh, was before that, 
Uh, I had kind of given Thaddeus the benefit of the doubt on the pedophilia stuff for over a year now. I think there was a, a little bit of a spat, uh, you know, about a year prior to where he had, um, you know, had uh, some some comments that were maybe a little um, outside of what a lot of people were comfortable with. And then with the interview um, with the author and um, the, uh, I, I guess, professor, and I forgot what his name is off the top of my head. Uh, when I actually went, act, I, I listened to it myself, you know, I, I, I walked through it and, uh, you know, it really kind of went through it with a fine tooth comb. And I was just like, this is unreal. But I, I would point you to that, Jess, if, if you've got, you know, um, questions, concerns, um, I think, you know, the case is pretty clear to me uh especially from uh the the interaction uh that those two had um it wasn't you know wasn't something that i was you know i i don't take any pleasure in uh in putting that out there or you know uh i guess uh you know the understanding that that's where he's at but i'm going to tell you you know it's very obvious to me that i think that that is absolutely where he is at and um it, like i said brings me no pleasure at all Well, thank you both for answering my questions. Um, I disagree with you, Shane, but I appreciate the answers. Sure, no problem. Well, um, I think, um, Pub, you, you got one more read? Uh, sure, let's go for it. Let's go. All right, Pub, what you got, brother? Uh, hey, I hope you guys can hear me okay. <laughs> um, as some of you know, I'm traveling. I'm in the middle of Africa right now, so the internet is off and on. Um, first off, Shane, thanks for, for having me up here. Uh, what I think is really cool is I'm looking down this audience. It's, it's like a it's like a, a Bitcoin light basis chat, man. Um, you had reached across the aisle. I remember I remember the day you, you jumped into a, a Bitcoin chat room, man. And uh, yeah, you just came through with with all libertarian love. Um, really appreciate that. So I'm glad we can sort of pay it back. And, and it's it's great to to hear your side of things and to meet me for the first time. Uh, you know, after you, you know what. My history of, of reading Preach from Jekyll Island and Ed the, and the Fed, um, I had read those, of course, and then really sort of forgot about it. I didn't think there was much that could be done. And I jumped straight from this hopelessness uh, to, man, when I found Bitcoin, I was, I was right back into it. But I, I still never had the, the sense that politics could, could fix much. Uh, starting worst to first, <laughs> federal level is over, state level is, is bad. I still have some, a little bit of hope for, for the government or the local government. Um, that, you know, I've come to find that I think the most you can do for yourself and your family um, is to get less reliant on the system personally. Um, no one's going to fix it for you. And, and that's where I, I don't, I've been focusing, you know, my time. You become healthier, uh, lower your expenses, find multiple streams of income to take care of yourself because no one will do it for you. Um, the, the world, it, it, we have these dreams. Um, I, I remember there was a book called uh, Your Money or Your Life. And this was done in the 70s. And um, it was actually really, you know, it was at a time when things could work out. You had, I think it was a 10% um, uh, bond you could get. So the author was showing people how to, to slim down their life, um, get more uh, cost effective. And every month you stay, you, you're able to save at 10%. Well, those days are gone. Are those days for anyone um, trying to pay, they've been using their house as an ATM to, to live the lifestyle that they should have been getting through raises and, and no inflation. Um, but we, we've come to a tipping point now. So really what I guess my question to read is, you know, what do you see now with this tipping point of the, the trucker movement in Canada, um, people realizing that all their funds can be just frozen overnight, CBDCs coming down. Um, what do you think this movement really means to everybody? Well, uh, you know, you, you said something towards the beginning of, of your, your question there that, uh, that really resonated with me. And that's that essentially, like, nobody is coming to save us, right? Um, I don't think it's, it's being hyperbolic to say that we live in a world that, that, that really despises liberty. The cultural zeitgeist is nowhere near, uh, you know, the, the vision that, that we have for the world. So uh, obviously, we have to do everything that we can on, on the state and local levels, but we also have to take some personal responsibility in each area of our personal lives in order to try and maximize liberty as much as we can, right? That comes with, you know, taking care of our finances, achieving some, some sort of, you know, financial independence, for example, homeschooling our kids and getting them out of these horrible indoctrination camps that, as Shane said, we like to comfortably uh, call schools. 
As far as uh, the, the very tail end of your question there, you talked about, uh, if I understand it correctly, kind of a, a greater sort of broader uprising against the state, right? Well, I think that all of us on this call right now understand exactly where that goes. And I'm here to say that I'm 100% for it. So the, the veil is being lifted. Uh, people are finally seeing the man behind the curtain. They're seeing that their, their currency's frozen. Um, the, the 20th century uh, is regarded by most liberal scholars as being some sort of, uh, some sort of great liberal paradise, right? But what I do believe is very possible for the 21st century is that, uh, is that 100 years uh, or more worth of, worth of uh, indoctrination, if you will, might be rolled back in a very sort of positive way. And that's what I hope the 21st century is, is a century for liberty. Yeah, I, absolutely, man. I, I am uh, I am super optimistic about what's going on, Reed, uh, in, in terms of people waking up, right? And for a lot of us that have been in these uh, spaces for a long time, right? It's just like, finally, I mean, to see, to see this mass outpouring for a lot of the counterculture, where it's libertarians, or, you know, the people who consider themselves liberty conservatives, or, you know, the Bitcoin community, or the Joe Rogan, uh, you know, piece, or the Elon Musk, I, I don't care, there's so much overlap in so much of what we're doing, whether it's, you know, finances, whether it's education, <clears throat> in STEM and, and, and things of getting people out in terms of uh, homesteading, in terms of, you know, really, you know, understanding that independence and freedom are verbs, man, it is unbelievable to me to see what's happening in this world right now and people with, you know, open minds and open ideas and, you know, just looking, you know, looking toward that horizon as this thing begins to crumble, you know, two years after, you know, the, the COVID lockdowns, uh, man, it's it's amazing, uh, brother. I want to I want to give you a minute. Um, how can we help you out in uh, in going forward? Is there any place where we can like maybe donate to you or do anything like that? Well, uh, I don't have any any donut uh, sorry, donut uh, donation links uh, right now. Uh, I'm not quite at the the panhandling stage uh, yet of uh, of my liberation from Young Americans for Liberty. So there's nothing like that, but. Uh, if nothing else, feel free to find me on Twitter. My handle is uh, at J Reed Cooley, uh, letter J R E E D C O O L E Y. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you spending an hour with me, an hour with this group. Thank you guys for all being here. This is radical. Um, I will be doing more and more of this format uh, where we are simulcasting across Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitter spaces here uh, for everybody. And if you like the format, if you want to see, uh, different types of guests in here. If you need to contact me, uh, you can do that at Shane at radicalpod.com. Uh, if you love the show, um, I'm going to, I'm going to say you can go to radicalpod.com. There's a million ways uh, to help uh, this show and we need them. I need uh, people who can edit and who can put together uh, quick sound bites and all that fun stuff. So if you're out there, you're looking for uh, a job and money and everything else. And if you're looking uh, to change things, man. We've got people all over the world, uh, and, and especially in this country, that have missions set out that are absolutely doing things. And that's the thing is, it's an all of the above time. If you've got a, uh, you know, a, a mission right now, if you're seeking something to do, we've got something for you. So uh, you can contact me again at Shane at Radical Pod, and we can point you in the right direction. Uh, Raid brother, it has been absolutely awesome uh, to, to have you on for this long. And uh, I can't wait to talk to you about, you know, what your future plans are. And if I can uh, hand you a hot biscuit, man, just to sit there and say, hey, let's, let's go do this. Uh, uh, <laughs> absolutely love to do that, brother. So thanks for coming in. And uh, everybody, I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff.